parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. It's two o'clock. When you hear the trippy music, you know here at Mutiny Radio that it is time. It is time for the show where we talk about higher powers. What people believe in here on Some Call Me Tim. I always try to time this right. Some call me Tim. There it is. There's the sound I was looking for. Uh, on today's podcast, we have Lynn Chen, comedian. Uh, I'm assuming she is a person of faith. Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm also joined by my best friend, Christina. Hi, Christina. Hello. <laughs> so the first thing I usually do is have people look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus, okay. and I say, "Do you believe in Jesus?" I do believe in Jesus. All right. Yeah. Okay. One hundred percent. And you believe he was a real dude who I walked do. the earth, and you also believe that he was the Son of God. Yes. Yes. All of the above. Yeah. All of the above. Yes. He's my best friend. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For how long? Oh my goodness! Probably since I was six or eight years old yeah and you talk to him yes Yes. every day yeah yeah Yeah. do you imagine him as like a 33 year old dude or do you how do you envision him do you think of him as this kind of jesus or do you have like a A, an image of jesus less pale far less pale far less white okay (laughs) so you think of kind of a dark swarthy jesus less groomed less groomed (laughs) yes He yes he had a wily beard he did he did definitely did Dusty not shave, sandals. right? Sandals. Yeah, and the whole thing two thousand years ago. Which, yes. So he's the only Messiah that's ever walked the planet. Yes, that's what I believe. Cool. Yeah. And how did you? Um, when did the Bible become an important text in your life? Was it? Yeah. Good question. So I I was raised in a um, I was raised in a Chinese Christian household. Um, and so, like, as far as I can remember, we always prayed, we always read. But I think it became just, like, very real to me, I think, as a child. There was some domestic violence in my home. And so I think I def- definitely felt the presence of God in how he protected me in those moments. Wow. And just really sensing, like, there was this, like, helm of protection in very dark and scary times. And so that, I think, helped become, made my faith become so real. What's the difference between Chinese Christian and, <laughs> is it like Presbyterian Christian? Is it like Yeah, Lutheranism? I would say, like, Chinese Christian is like Bible Belt Christian on crack, because it's, so much discipline yeah <laughs> there's a lot of discipline it's very strict and it's very like cognitive too huh. it's very like you you study the bible right you know and like you you read it to understand it um as it was meant grammatically um and so there's not a very strong spiritual aspect it's very behavioristic huh. yeah so it felt more like this is a system of right and wrong, so you don't yes. do bad things. Right, which is very strong in Chinese culture already. But then you add the Bible to that, and now it's not just this is right and wrong. It's like Jesus will hate you sort of thing, you know, or like you're, you'll be rejected by God unless you do these things. But you felt yeah. the presence of God. I did. So then did you still believe in that rejection that they were pushing on you? Like if you don't act this way, then you're rejecting God. Or was it like right. God and I are buddies? 
Yeah, I think it grew into that. I definitely, I think as I'm like reflecting on it, um, I think definitely what was true is that I would be rejected by my community. Oh. Yeah, if I didn't follow certain rules or do certain things or dress a certain way. Dress was huge in our church. Um, like, uh, I'll give you an example. Yeah, please. Yes. Like, so <laughs> I, I, I joke about this. I call it like Bible camp, like dress code, where literally they would line up all the girls and have us hang our, our arms bar aside. And the camp counselors would check to make sure our shorts met our um, middle finger or below. Wow. Yeah. So it had to like, we couldn't wear short shorts. Um, there's been some churches where if you are wearing a spaghetti strap, they have extra like, kind of like in PE when you don't dress out. Right. They will hand you like, here, cover yourself up, you heathen, wow. you know? And so, yeah, it's very... So no, no skin, no arms, yes. no legs, long, long stuff. Yes, long stuff. But pants are okay. It's not like yeah, no you, skirts for girls. Right, no, yeah, It's not like no. that oppressive. No gender norms, but oh, okay. just, you just cover yourself up, you slut sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Do you think that you would be a moral person if you hadn't been raised religious? Is it like these laws and structures made you into a moral person or do you? That's a good question. Right. You know, it's a, it's an interesting balance. I think I definitely, I do sincerely believe that me being raised in a very kind of strict atmosphere, it did save me from a lot of very dumb decisions. Mm. You know, there's definitely a lot of times like, I'm really glad that I had that as like the boundary because I was just never interested in drugs. I was never interested in drinking and like, and all these different, like very kind of very healthy and good life choices. Um, I think I didn't need the fear, though, mm. as a way to get there, I sure. think was the biggest thing. Yeah. Do you still, are you, do you remain, you don't drink? Um, I drink now. You drink yes, now? Okay. Yes, yes, Well, not now, because I'm pregnant. Oh, but, congratulations. Yes. Thank you, with twins. Oh, wow. oh my God, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> yes. <gasps> yeah, huge. Are there twins in your family? How There's is this? not. So this is a God thing, too. Did you yes. always want twins when you no, were a child? No, I definitely no, did not. Like, and no. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> definitely, when I was really excited to find that we had pregnant, we've been trying for almost three years, and then we went to the doctor, and he was like, oh, I see the ember and the heartbeat, and I was really excited because I had a miscarriage before where they couldn't find it, oh. so I was like really relieved they found it and then he goes and I see a second heartbeat <gasps> and literally the first words out of my mouth were shit <laughs> <laughs> I was not excited at first I am now yeah it just took me a little while to adjust to it it's so yeah. unbelievable like you have to buy double of everything I do do you know the sex not yet so I'm hoping know. to find out in those next couple of weeks but to answer your question twins do not run my family but I was on fertility oh. meds so when you take like I was on Clomid which increases the amount of eggs that you have so okay. actually that cycle I had four eggs so I could have had quadruplets wow. <laughs> I'm very thankful I don't wow. <laughs> yes yeah I mean you'd have to get church involvement at that point yeah you would <laughs> you're right I would like babies. go back to my Chinese church like raise my babies yeah, right? yeah. I, how do you I mean so you're going to be a mother are yes. you you're planning on raising your children in the uh, church yes absolutely definitely. yeah Yes. Is your husband or your yeah. partner? He's he's, he's also, also a, a man of faith. Yes, man of faith. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you find each other through church? We did. You did. It's it was so much better than a dating app, right? <laughs> yes, like, so well, much easier. The funny story though is that so we met each other um, both as counselors at a Bible camp, right? <gasps> Sleepaway um, or like day camp? 
No, like, yeah, so sleep away. So it's like a oh, week long fun. camp. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I'm a, again, raised in a very conservative church, such a rule follower. So I got the camp rules and I read it. Like, that's the first thing I do is I read all the rules. And one of them is, like, you can't start dating another counselor in the middle of the week. And I remember, like, me coming from this very conservative, like, we grew up, I call it in the generation of I Kissed Dating Goodbye. It was this book back in, like, I don't know, what, the late, like, early, like, mid-90s or something like that. And, like, it just, like, preached, like, you don't date. You have something called a courtship where you decide to get married before you start dating. Whoa. And so, yeah. It's, like, super intense, but that's what I believed, right? Sure. So when I saw this rule about, like, no dating, I immediately went to super judgy mode. I was talking to my friend, and I was like, can you believe that this is a rule in the rule book? Who are these people? Are they even Christians? <laughs> like, who goes here to try to meet somebody? Your priorities need to be the campers and Jesus. And then I met my husband. <laughs> that is so funny. Yes. Well, and isn't that, um, it's like God challenging you oh. to look at those, how you follow rules and structure and like being able to, I don't know, have flexibility? Is that yeah, like the lesson 100%. that was? Oh, it was wholly that lesson because when my husband asked me out, I basically said, I don't know if I want to marry you. And he's like, I'm not asking you to marry me. I'm like, what's the difference? <laughs> you know? Wow. And so we actually ended up doing a relationship study together where we listened to different like relationship sermons and we like did like a study together and slowly I was like, oh. And you like held hands while you're listening to like. No, we weren't allowed to hold hands. Pinkies, pinkies. I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. But um, listening to relationships relationship sermons that's I mean could I mean could you imagine if people actually created relationships with one another I I mean it's that's kind of like blowing my mind that (laughs) people would uh, I mean how like healthy and amazing to be looking at like a partnership and what do you want out of life and how I mean it's is, is any, you live in San Francisco. Is anybody like that anymore? That's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But it, it was, yeah, it was, a, I felt like a really good foundation for How long did you date before? Four years. Four years. Yes. And the interesting thing was that was a long time for him. So, like, he also came from a pretty conservative church where, like, people get married, like, in college or right after college. And so I remember we had only been dating for maybe two months, and he was thinking about taking a job out in North Carolina. Mm. And I kind of was telling him, like, it's only been two months, probably going to break up. I don't know if I want to do long distance. He goes, well, I was thinking that, like, after a year of dating, we would get married, and you move out to North Carolina and be a teacher here. I was like, whoa, when did you make all these plans about my life? I, I thought that we were in those relationship yeah. sermons yes. together so we could value each other's opinions and thoughts on, on yeah. how we can grow together. But exactly. But clearly have made all the decisions. It's yeah. Funny. But it was sweet that he was thinking so long term. Right. Right. And so so we had been dating for about four years. I just needed a little bit more time to agree that this is what I wanted. And were, so. were you, was there a celibacy thing happening? Yes. Wow. Yes. There was a, yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. That is so unusual in... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I was I was also a virgin when I got married to my husband. Right, and wasn't the I first night super now. awkward? Like, it it was yes, yes, yeah. They don't prepare you for that. It, when they prepare you for the life of celibacy, they don't prepare you for how to like exit out of it. I was so embarrassed to like just be naked. Yeah, you know, like right. my clothes were. I was just like ah, and even <laughs> I mean. I'm I'm a couple years divorced and I'm I'm almost 44, but I'm still really awkward about sexuality because of my really fundamental Christian upbringing. Yes, absolutely. Like there's so much shame. There's so much yeah. shame, and then it's like ah, and there's that, and it's like that was part of the religion, and it's mm-hmm. like how can you, how can we teach people 
how to have a relationship yes. with a higher power without the shame or or are they complicit with one another like right. can you have religion without shame right and i i think you have i i often like to say i'm like I am a Christian. I do identify as a Christian. I use that term, even though that has a lot of extra meanings attached to it, especially in this like Trump yeah. era. I know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But but I, I I do believe that you can have Christianity without the shame, and I believe that like Jesus was the model of what it meant to have relationship with God without shame. Yeah. You know, and there was you know super honesty though, and yes. he was like, hey, you're a prostitute. You can right. still. Come yes. to the kingdom of heaven. You're a right. tax collector. You're you have leprosy. Like right. you're you're an unlovable and untouchable. Yes. And yet he touched everybody. Right. So absolutely without without um judgment, without hypocrisy. Without, right. Yeah. And and without even like you know and, and still being honest, like go and sin no more. Right. It wasn't like oh that's not sin, but it was that's not something that judge like that that places a worth on you. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was a lot of I mean I, I find it interesting with the Pharisees and at the time yes. when they were looking at it was almost like a in the New Testament that there's you know the, here are the rules and laws mm-hmm. of the Pharisees and then right. here's the you know the word of the Father and 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 they're right. they're so d- d- opposed and yet now it seems that Christianity has so many laws and it's like have oh, we yeah. turned into the Pharisees Yes I believe so a hundred percent. Because yeah. that's what I mean. That's I'm wearing my Bible Belt warmonger right. shirt, and like that's right. one of the, it's one of the terrible like, uh, you know, uh, tropes or um, sure. stereotypes yes. that exist. That if if you love Jesus, then you love war, or and it's right. like that's the opposite. No, of it's whole so, idea, right? Definitely, and I think that's like one of the things I'm really passionate about is like, like just trying to dem- live out my life to be like following Jesus doesn't mean that like you live in judgment and anger and shame you know right. there's so much freedom in Jesus and I think there's so much freedom that so many Christians don't even know that they have access to what about the gay people yeah like I, right I, I mean there's I, some Christians right. go everyone's welcome in our church I mean even some you can become a pastor and be or a you know and be yeah. gay and there's right. everybody's fine and but then sometimes it's like some sects of Christianity are like, no, right. it's weird. Right. The Chinese Christian church yes. stand on that. The Chinese Christian church is very conservative. So very traditional. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I believe that you can be both gay and a follower of Jesus and that you're wholly acceptable and that your sexuality has nothing to do whether or not you belong in, in heaven. Cool. Um, yeah. And so I think that um, there are, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's like camp A and camp B when it comes to the gay Christian mentality where like for the people who do agree you can't be both gay and Christian I believe Camp A believes you can have a God honoring gay marriage mm. and then Camp B believes you can um, you can be Christian and gay but you're called to a life of celibacy interesting yes wow yeah. isn't that but you know what that almost makes sense for if you're thinking historically with Catholicism and nuns yeah if a woman wasn't, I mean, back in the time when we were kind of property or whatever, right. if a woman wasn't going to be a wife right. and she wasn't going to be, I don't know, a whore or a witch, right. she could be a nun, <laughs> yeah. right? You're right. And I mean, maybe if you were, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the gender spectrum has been there since the beginning of time and maybe 
maybe women were and maybe priests too maybe that was the thing right maybe if you were, were called to a life of self that's a, I've never thought of it like that yeah it's really interesting and I'm very much like I I often will tell people like I make no authority to claim one camp is better than the other I think at the end of the day we're just gonna go up and see Jesus and hang out with him and be surprised with who we see there in heaven too and and that's you know that's so it describe heaven a little bit your idea of yes heaven. Uh, my idea of heaven it is um, it's like finally being with your most favorite person in the world and all your favorite people all the time it's like this relational kind of like state of place where yeah you're with the people you're supposed to be with so clouds mansions golden stuff like do you see pearly right. gates like what I don't see it physically I see oh. it relationally if that makes sense okay yeah yeah to me heaven is more of like a relationship status wow you know yeah that you post on Facebook sure <laughs> it, it exists and right it floats out there in the yes. cloud yeah yeah the definitely. metaphorical cloud mm-hmm. so you but you do believe you believe in life everlasting I do this is just a transient world I do and I believe that our characters go on eternally really yeah and so that the choices and the decisions we make now like will forever shape who we are in the internal realm you well, know yeah I mean yeah. that may, I mean it makes sense that because experientially when we do things that shapes who we are and what right. we are and it's yeah. a constant like you know integrity like how do you right. If you have to be true to yourself and be yes to to being honest and and that's if you're and that's the thing I lo- love about I love about sin but basically it's saying like I've made a mistake right and then fessing up to that yes for yourself right and for the people around you yeah but when when we hide in sin and it just becomes mistake after mistake after mistake after lie and they just build and it's like a trap that you can't get out of because you're not taking the time to shine the light on it and be like this exists right well so then how does how does trump land that does it does he call himself a christian in front of people i don't know i think he does Does he okay he mentions god when trap when tragedies happen he mentions but but then like even he had this like interesting thing where like he didn't feel like he needed forgiveness Mm. right so there was definitely like I think there's like one thing to acknowledge God exists and to like call on God and in terms of a national um, like some kind of like national tragedy but to me it's all about that personal relationship yeah and it begins with being like I am so broken that I need something else other than myself Right. 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 And I don't think Trump has that. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, it's empathy and it's understanding. Right. I mean, it's, it's honesty. Yes. You know? And th- I think that honesty is, is, a, is, a, is a large bridge and can and contain many things, and especially in our society, I feel like, goes again. So, for example, like, honesty with your body and your temple. And, mm-hmm. like, when people do tons of plastic surgery. And, right. like, how is that? Like, oh, it's right. so it's not being honest with yourself, a eh? sure, and it's like changing God's creation, right? For something, I just I see that as like, oh, I don't like a sense of like not accepting, not a accepting part of, a part of yourself. And, yeah. But that's the thing about for, you have to ask forgiveness is that we make mistakes, and right. if we don't acknowledge them, then we'll, who are we becoming? What are we? Right. Because yeah. if we are, if we are our experiences, and we never learn from. If we don't admit mistakes, right. we can't learn from them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. I think sin is like a, a good concept because it not 
that it teaches us to feel guilty because that's not what it is because no. if you ask forgiveness then you absolve the right. feeling of guilt because it goes away right yeah I've always I've always liked this I've always thought of this analogy like you know like when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit which is I think like healthy conviction when your focus isn't oh I'm such a bad person but like oh God is so good right and that like that that the what follows the conviction isn't i need to go hide and like like i have this like mental image of people just like whipping themselves in the back like don't do that again don't do that again right like that's self-salvation right by trying to punish yourself into being good versus i think real sin when you're actually confronted with it there's this like sense of like you put your hands up you're like i need help Right. I can't get it. I'm so stuck, right? And 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 that and there's so much freedom when it comes to kind of like confronting sin, and there's there's not a sense of guilt because there's not an ego you're trying to protect, right? You know, ego is that? I mean, is that what makes us sin? Is that it's our own selfishness? Like, does sin? Where does sin come from? Because some people yeah. say, well, it comes from the devil, but. Hmm. It comes maybe from an internal selfishness. And then is that what the devil represents is pure selfishness? Do you believe the devil right. is real? I do believe the devil is real. Really? Yeah. Demons, yes. the whole thing. The whole thing. So, yeah. You believe like demons can come in and change your life and make you do bad things? I don't think or? demons can make you do bad things. I think. But possession? Do you believe demons can possess people? I think demons can oppress people. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I believe that um, demons can come in and torment somebody, make their life more difficult, make their life more unbearable. In that pain and anguish, they act out. Okay. If that makes sense. Absolutely. But I, I don't believe in like the like exorcism, heads turning okay, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, stuff, yeah. right? Um, and so I definitely believe in demonic oppression. Um, I've seen it, I've experienced it, but I haven't seen the puppeteering, controlling kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So how, okay, so yeah. if you believe, you believe the Bible's truth, mm-hmm. how do you deal with Genesis? Is it that we're dealing yeah. allegorically or do you believe that the earth was created in seven days or? Right. So this is like, my answer to that is like, it doesn't matter what the fuck I believe about that. I don't get to decide, uh-huh. you know? So I can uh-huh. believe the earth is like, I don't know how much they say, like 5,000 years old or whatever. Sure. Or I can believe that like, it's like millions and millions of year old. Just because I believe it doesn't make it true. Huh. I think what's important is that like, is that I feel confident in what I believe and I don't try to push that on to anyone else, right? Right. Yeah. So you're never going to be one of the people at BART station yelling into a microphone like... No. No, 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 no. No. Do, do Unless you, I'm telling jokes. Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. Do, you, do you use the Bible in your sets? Do you use like... You know, I don't, I don't quote scripture. I do kind of... I think the only time I quoted scripture was t- using the term gift of celibacy, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I don't. I do talk about my faith. Um, and things like that yeah and it's this interesting delicate line where like I don't want to dishonor my faith because it's so important to me right right sure and so I think like as I'm writing my set I am praying a lot and just like when like okay god this is okay I don't want to I don't want to give you a bad name and things like that and like I think what I was left with is like dishonor the things that deserve dishonor and honor the things that deserve honor 
right yeah. and so so I'm very okay like okay then you know I'm gonna go ahead and like crap on all this legalism that like really poisoned a lot of my faith mm. and and like talk about freedom from that but the tenets are real of like this relationship with God and all loving all powerful being who like takes care and provides for everything like I'm gonna hold on to that yeah. you know and if it makes your life better and right. it makes you happy yeah like I mean heck yeah definitely uh I have a I, I quote scripture a little bit, and I, one I of my it. favorite ones is uh, "Look to the birds of the sky; they do not reap or sow yes. or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them." Oh, yeah. And I love that because every time I start freaking out about, is this place going to survive? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? Is everything going to work out? It's like, you know, chill out. It's going right. to be okay. Like, yes. and adding extra stress to something where I really don't have that much control over it is yeah. only going to make me it. It's perspective. Right, definitely. So I feel like this is my favorite um, Bible verse I have tattooed on what me. What is it? Uh, Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. It's uh, 2 okay. Peter 2.11. Oh, that's so good. And that's, it's yeah. really important for me because as a performer, like, right. don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. I just really like That is such an important... Right. Like, I never want to sell out or yes. buy in. I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm yeah. me, but that I don't try to right. indulge... Yeah, I just my my ego is something that I really struggle with. I think most comedians. Oh yeah, anytime you're a performer, it's true. (laughs) And it's interesting. I did have so like my discipler came to see my set, and um and she says I really want to support you, but I I cuss a lot. I swear a lot. And then she's a little bit older, and so I I think that the older generation maybe isn't as comfortable with swear words. And so she she did say she's like it feels like you're selling out, and I said it's only selling out if it's not true to me. Sure. Like if I'm using language that isn't true to my experience and I'm doing it to be cool or to be funny than that selling out. But at the end of the day, like that pain is real. So I'm going to use like ex- expletive language to capture that real pain, yeah. you know? And, and she was actually really comfortable and okay with that. And, and, and I said like, if it, if it hurts your relationship with God, if hearing this is really difficult for you, don't come, Right. you know, like I love you. You love me. I know that like, I'm not going to be offended that like you, you know, that it's difficult for you because I can sure. accept that. And so, yeah. But it, it yeah. is true. It, it, there is, you know, definitely that temptation is there of like wanting to be, you know, just a little bit more to be more shiny or something. Sure. You know. Ah. Uh, yeah. To shine. We all. Uh, when did you start doing comedy? Uh, January. Oh, wow. It's so when I started doing. New. Yeah. Well, that's when I started doing stand up. I've been doing improv um, for almost about a year now. Like, mm-hmm. I started to actually perform like regularly on stage, and I was taking classes before that. So and but you've been involved in the church this whole time, so you probably mm-hmm. did singing and choir, and you've been sure. in front of people. Well, I have a terrible voice, so I, I don't I don't do choir. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, children's like you know I I do a lot of like children's stuff, so I'm sure. in front of kids a lot. I'm a teacher as well, and that's acting yes. constantly. It is. I mean, that's you're a 24 yes. or seven hour a day actor. Yes, it's like, look I, at me. I pay attention to me. Exactly. I always say like metaphorically, I have the tap dance for the kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I have to compete with the phones. Do you, right. Don't you take them away? No, they let them have them now. What? And so, what yeah. to look as like a as like a tiny computer in their pocket? Right. Well, I teach I teach um, ELD, which is ESL. Okay. So they use them as translators. Oh. And so, but usually I will let them know. I'll just like you can take out your phone now. Like so, I'll I'll let them know what they can have, and if that it's out, I'm like I'll put it away. Yeah, they ha- everyone has what, a phone. What? Uh, how old are your kids? Um, I teach high school. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Um, I mostly teach 
10th graders, so most of them are 15. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I taught um, I taught junior high and high mm. school for a couple of years back when I was younger. Oh, bless your soul. Junior high is... I, I love junior hires. Oh and when I used to be a camp counselor, I used to do right. Christian camp counseling yes. um, at, down at Redwood Camp and oh, at Mount great. Herman in yeah. Santa Cruz. I back love in Mount the Herman. Day, I love Mount Herman, it's too. It's beautiful. It's... Yeah, I, th- that summer camp as a child just changed my life. I went yes. there fourth through eighth grade, and I just look forward to it. even now when I dream and I have dreams. Yeah, I dream about Redwood Camp. Like it's yeah, like it's so vivid in my head. Like that's a great place. It, I loved it. Yeah, I would go out. I have a, I have a joke about it. Um, I would go Bible delving. You guys probably know what this is. You go out into the forest and you take your Bible and you pray and you say, "Dear, you know, Jesus, show oh, me yeah. what you need me to know." Yes, show me what you, you need me to see. And you just open the Bible with mm-hmm. your eyes closed and you run your finger around, open them up. Uh, and my were always about sodomy like <laughs> I couldn't get out of Leviticus you know? oh so my god that's right yeah that's pretty so that's funny yeah my, thank you that's, yes, my that's a good jokes. one that's a good yeah. one yeah I have like um I have about a 10 minute set yes. that's all like biblically based I do I a whole it. joke about Ruth and Esther and feminism yes and then, right yeah, yeah. Have, but it's hard because when I do bible jokes because people have aren't scholars of the bible anymore right. if it's the wrong like if it's a bunch of millennials they're not going to get They it. have no, I have to give them too much history on yes. Ruth and Esther <laughs> to get to where I'm going and they just don't even know. And and right. so it's, then it becomes more like a Bible lesson and it gets sure. less funny. Right. And so then it sort of negates the purpose yes. of the joke. Actually, that came up to me with even the phrase of gift of celibacy. My, my friend's like, he didn't know what that meant. He thought it meant abstinence. <laughs> and then I was like, no, celibacy is like abstinence forever, you know? Right, right, right. And so, I, so it's true. These things, I just think people know. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, if you're a nun and you're in the Catholic Church, you right. literally marry Jesus. Yes. Like yes, you, you do. Have a, you are a bride of Christ and yeah. you go down the aisle and that's when you become a nun. Right. Yeah. Like that's, I mean... Yeah, he has a lot of wives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all his wife at the end of the day, if you think about it, right? Like, everyone's I, the bride of Christ, and sure. we're all children of God, and it's those weird metaphors when you start thinking about it, you're like, what? But like, Well, and um, what do you think about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. A lot of people think of the Holy Spirit in different ways. Do you have a, like, what you come out? Is that, because, like, Pentecostals say sure. a certain thing about... Right. Yeah, so it's really interesting. I have a very, like... So I came from a very conservative church that's very anti-spiritual gifts, Holy Spirit, like all of that. But then I I like to call myself a closet charismatic Mm. because my mother, when I was around like eighth grade, would take us to these charismatic church retreats. And that's where we got exposed to like people speaking in tongues and like, like people doing deliverance from demons and like this like crazy world of spirituality that like in like my Sunday school, I was never taught. Um, And so. So I would definitely say that like what I got to see from that experience was the power of the Holy Spirit come in and really heal a lot of that domestic violence and abuse, Ah. right? Where I saw my dad give the drinking, he stopped hitting. There was just like this huge transformation that I was like, that's Jesus and that's God and that's the Holy Spirit. And and so like this shit is real, you know? Um, And so I think like um, ever since like 13, I've always kind of had this much more deeply spiritual belief that I could talk to God yeah. and that freaked a lot of my friends out where I was like uh, yeah so I was talking to God and I heard him saying like whoa that's not okay you can't hear from God and then as I got older I was like the fuck you can't hear yeah, from sure. God I was yeah. like what what do you mean like you know and so it but I I get like there's just different like there's different pools of thoughts surrounding that. one of my buddies said here on the show um, when I said hey do you believe in higher powers and he said of course I believe in higher powers like 
gravity. <laughs> I don't understand gravity, but it's a higher power. Oh, yeah. It exists. Mm-hmm. Like the atmosphere. He's like, I don't understand how yeah. that works, right. but it exists. Therefore, like there are higher powers. Like, yes. The earth is spinning and moving around the sun. Like there, obviously there are higher powers. Yes. Because yeah. there's stuff that we don't, can't even understand. And, right. and then we use science to be like, okay, this is how it works. But what makes that work? Right. Like that the earth is perfectly tilted on this weird axis so right. that it spins at a thing so that we stick to the ground. Right. And like this air that we breathe is like perfect for us. Yes. Like how is all... Yeah. It just seems... I don't know. I think that someone needs to bring some... I mean, if that someone can be like alien something. Because if we don't figure out there's alien stuff right. and other planets that can sustain life, like this is just who coincidental exactly Mm -hmm. like this all exists right here and it's perfect and we don't believe that there's something right that that something created this this, that there is a design behind it and yeah well there's clearly a design like you can look at the solar system right and see it's right it's design based it's like yes it is it's design thinking 100 uh, yeah all of the you know we can even back math it and be like okay well here's the radius of this and how it but we still don't understand what puts those forces in motion right yeah absolutely so it's our humanness that takes that and tries to make sense of it and then what becomes religion yes agreed so that we're just all but i mean when i was little i used to have this thing because i was so christian and i'd watch a movie (laughs) and i'd be like how sad for the people in that movie they they don't They've never understood the gifts of having Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, right. What is this story even about? Like, right. how is it even? And just looking at all of mass media and being like, right. but where is where is Jesus in this? Yes. How does look at this story? How does it, how do these people's lives have any meaning? Right. Yeah. And then it, you know, and they, it's all gossip or sex or yeah, like, right. So I, I don't know. Agreed. I think that there is this eternal perspective that when you do. Um, believe in a higher power, an eternal one, it does give you this like greater vision of wisdom because you see your life beyond yourself, your immediate needs and your immediate wants. Uh, Does your church do outreach? Are you a big like... Oh, sure. Outreach person to like help people? Yeah. What I really... What I really love about my church that I attend now, I attend Resonate Church in Fremont. Um, like the tagline is, "We want to be the best church for the city, not the best church in the city." Oh, and that's so nice. it's amazing. So then, like, there's always there's two like for the city events every year, and like it'd be things like you know oil change for single moms you know that's so cool yeah and it's just it's great so we'll find like we'll, we'll like go on like church campus and like set up a little oil shop and then we'll have like a little like um like a little pedicure station for the moms to go there's babysitting for the kids you know we'll do so that's like a really cool one we've done like pop-up shops during christmas time where we buy like toys on amazon and we let like parents buy it for 10% of the price cool and like and I remember just like reading this thing about like kind of all the misguided ways Christians try to do charity mm. right and like one of the things is like oh just like 
buying gifts for people and like basically someone from that community was like I'd really like to be able to purchase this so I know that I've earned this for my child so that way it's not another reminder of my kid having a deadbeat dad and the response the church had was we liked it when our kids can give it to your kids right it was so like that was like such an an ego like that's an ego soul kind of issue it is when we were little my family always adopted another family um that was the thing our church did yeah yeah and you yet you'd go out and they'd Mm -hmm. give you a list and and it was always like things they wanted were like toothpaste and deodorant and i didn't understand at the time but it's now i understand because you can't buy toothpaste and deodorant with food stamps so right. there would be certain things that they need. And I, I came from a very wealthy town, Danville. And we oh, wow. Big, you grew up in Danville. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We went to CPC Community oh, Presbyterian Church. Big, oh, wow. That's big, huge. big church. Yes. And, um, but every year, and I was, I grew up so wealthy. I didn't even understand. And I'd look at yeah. this and I'd be like, deodorant. That's <laughs> so weird. Like, why don't they want? And right. now that I'm, you know, a little bit more financially challenged, I'm like, oh, I get it. But yeah. also, that must have been so hard as a family to say, we need help. Yes. We need to ask the church right. to be adopted. Yes. For, right. Yeah. That's got to be like an ego thing right there to it be like, is. I want to have a nice Christmas for my kids. Right. Therefore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I like hard. the idea of like a pop up shop being a way that it, it really kind of honor their dignity yeah, as providers. Absolutely. You know? And so, so I really love being part of a church where social justice is a big focus mm-hmm. of how they see living out their faith to be. Do you think that that's a specifically California thing or is that like, it's a good question because Maybe that's we'll the thing Christina is when we, when we think about this. when we see, when we see the Bible Belt, <laughs> right. And we think of Bible Belt warmongers. We don't, you know, it's like is community outreach. Just is, a is California. It, yeah, thing. I think is it a California thing or is it right. like? Because I don't know. I think that the stigma against Christians now is being perpetuated by this middle America that yeah, so disconnected, this, so disconnected. Yeah. Right, it's true. I don't think it's just a California thing. Um, because um, fortunately I've come across people from various different states who have um, been prompted by the Holy Spirit or whatever compassion they have in their hearts to go out to places like um, New Orleans after Mm. Katrina happened or, um, you know, go internationally to a lot of different places. Um, I have a a relative um, from my in-laws. They're from Texas and originally. Um, And he uh, does medical missions in Africa. So um, I think that God can definitely still speak to people of middle America and the Bible Belt to actually act out their faith um, to help others who are um, less fortunate or in dire situations for sure. And it's not all build the wall and keep everybody out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Act, uh, actively being active in your faith. That's, that's, that's interesting. So it's not, it takes it out of the insular nature of your family and your church and says, no, we need to spread. And that's the thing is, is it like spread goodness? Is it spread the word? Is it 
help? Like, what is yeah. the... Because you guys aren't like proselytizers. You don't like... You've never been like the... Like you said, you're not going to... You're not going to go door to door and be like, accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and well, Savior, we otherwise you're going to hell. Of, we were part of the Christian club in high school. Yeah, we were. That's true. What did, what did that look like? It's a little Bible study. A small room of us and our friends. <laughs> it was basically lunch. like two, <laughs> the most of the most conservative churches out in Davis, California. And occasionally praying around the flagpole? Yes, I think we prayed around the flagpole. Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, I would definitely say like, there is this interesting tension of like, like, is it right to give, you know, to give bread in one hand and the Bible in the other, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and what does that kind of service look like where the intention behind that service isn't conversion? Because people aren't projects. Right. Yeah. Okay, because people aren't projects. That's a really nice way to put it. Right. Because... I've been seeing groups around, I live near Union Square, and so sure. oftentimes like around Civic Center or Union Square, I'll see right. a big group of kids that are wearing the same t-shirt, and I'm yes. like, ha the yes. Christians are here. Yep. And and the question is, are they there for conversion, or are they there to help the community, mm-hmm. or like what? Right. Which I don't believe in short-term things anymore. Like short-term things, it's very volunteerism, it's very like serving serving the you know like the person coming from america or like the nice country to like feel good about themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i definitely believe that true service and change is long term right and like you commit like decades you can't just yeah. do one week one week a year when i was in high school we'd all we'd build churches in mexico right and so we'd leave our richie pants house you know in danville right. and and it really was it, it was life-changing like the second time i went down there and we went through tijuana and as we were going to the outskirts like Someone had built a house. Remember when garage doors used to go flat yes, up and then yeah. they all went to like roll top doors? Yes. So I saw a house that was built out of discarded garage doors. Wow. And I was like, oh, we're not in California anymore. Yes. But it was the first time it was like mind blowing to me. Right. That the way I lived my life than the way we lived was totally different than the rest of the world. I thought everybody had a house. I thought right. everybody had got to go to the mall and buy clothes. Like I had I was so insulated. But and so it was important, but it was like, you know, my parents paid $1500 so we could right. all go down and it was like once one week out of the year and then we'd be like, "We built houses for Mexicans. I'm a right. good person." Right. And that kind of like <laughs> But now you can look back at it and have a broader perspective oh, on yeah. it. So I think there is still a place for that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's an it was an open door for you at the time. Like, sure, like you didn't you didn't see like that deeper meaning until right. a lot later. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that's really cool and I yeah. I know for myself and for Lynn, like we, we have a lot of experiences like that coming mm-hmm. from the background that we did, like yeah. similar suburban background. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it was I mean and now it was exciting to build houses because I felt like I'm a good person and I'm doing yes. the Lord's work right yes. now. Like I'm literally we built a church for people that they used to sit under trees yes. and now they have a place to gather and that's you know exciting so. it is yeah and not to say that the work isn't good or anything I just think like if you're really serious about serving that community like you plant there right and then you get to know the people and you you and you give them the tools 
Right. Right. I think that like there's this there's this interesting shift. So I think like so I when I was young really wanted to be a missionary. I think Ooh. for like my entire life. And it, so that's why it took so long to agree to marry my husband because I was like I want to be a missionary and you don't. Wow. And this is like I don't know if I need like if it's okay for me to commit to you. Where um, did you want to do work? Like anywhere or were you are you do you have a specific region that you thought this is? I thought probably where? East Asia because I like learned how to speak Chinese and I was like English teacher. So it was like a pretty easy fit to like flow in there. But I mean, I was pretty open to anywhere that like that I might end up. Um, and I think so, like having that perspective and just as I learned more about like what the work of a missionary really does, I think like there was a shift from like the Americans as the saviors to come in and like do all of the work to being like you go and you actually empower the local people too. you give them the tools because your job is to actually go in and and like raise them up and then get out Ah. you know and so like you're not there to create this like dependent relationship you know and like what they were seeing for a while is like a lot of churches overseas end up becoming like a little American churches Ah. versus like a church that locally celebrated the culture and heritage of the place that they were in so it became this foreign place to the locals as well and so wow so there's shifts there too and kind of the perspectives of what that work is well and I mean is it hard to bring Christianity to a place where they they have another religion like and it it, but the goal isn't conversion right so that's where things get tricky because it's you're trying to go in and help a community right but if they practice another religion it's not about converting them right it's about ah, that that gets so like philosophically difficult it does and I think you know so like I think for me what I've realized is like if at the end of the day the real cure the real answer the real like saving force is Jesus then like I can't make them see that Mm. Um, I can't like lead them through an ABC prayer and have that magically happen. Right. The best I can do is like live out my life according to that truth. And, and if people get curious, point them to Jesus. Right. right. And so my job isn't to convert them. It's just to point them to Jesus. Sure. Right. So like someone's struggling and you go in and like you offer help or whatever. And then like, you know, you, you can share like the reason I am doing this is because I believe that there's a God that's taking care of me right right that can take care of you too right yes sure. and if you're interested it's there yeah. but like it's not like oh if you say no to this i'm not going to help you anymore that's where things get kind of it, it's so yeah. crazy to conceptualize that there's more and more children being born every day it's almost like god is infinitely expanding to yeah. to to love everybody yes because yeah. we have and is that i mean that's the crazy thing like if the that's the expansion of our our world like how many more people live here now and mm-hmm. just on the planet and i don't know just recognizing i don't know the power behind okay so here let me say it this way i don't it's don't necessarily think that religion matters if you know god i think maybe sometimes we have the same power power like yeah. as if religion is like um, a big cone right yes. and it goes up to the top and here right. at the top is the concept of uh, right. God yeah. and there's like ladders all the way around and sure. everybody believes in the higher power but like 
you know, some people's ladders, like right. Christian ladders over yes. here and you're on this rung over here. Right. And then, and then some people have like a Buddhist ladder and sure. they're over yeah. here and they're thinking about enlightenment, right. they call it whatever you want. And then Hindu over here and they're like, okay, oh, yeah, we got the pantheon of God. But it's like, I don't know, Islam, you got Allah. Right. It's the same. But it's, we, we might seem like diametrically opposed in our ideas, but if we could recognize that maybe it's all the same cone. Sure. Kind of like. Yeah. I think every human being is hungry for spiritual meaning. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I believe that they will find that in whatever context, whatever story or narrative they were given. Right. And they'll latch onto that. One thing that when I was going through missions training was like, you find, they call it footprints of Jesus in that culture, mm-hmm. right? Well, he's carrying you, the footprints. Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, so not, it's not more, yeah, no, not, not, not the not footprints. Not the beach, oh, not yeah, the footprints no, 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 on the yeah. beach. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's you. a great one. Um, but it's kind of like, um, you see where there's the blueprint of, of, of God, like coded into that culture. Uh. And so like, for example, I want to say like, like we're learning like, yeah, um, like the term aloha actually meant like father, son, and spirit. And like, when you say aloha, like you emphasize the ha and you breathe your spirit onto that person so that they receive your blessing sort of thing. And so you find these like little blueprints where like, it does show that there is almost like everyone has coded in our DNA like this thirst and this hunger for the love of God and yeah. for that for that kind of um, for that rest for our souls to know that we're okay right 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 and so because we can't fill it ourselves no but right. what it, I mean the thing that I think people fill it with a lot is drugs and alcohol yes it's and the most accessible in America right yeah because if you can't if you and it's like you said it's what you're taught and if you're not right. taught to be you know filled right uh, spiritually yeah and there's there's void yes then you know and I guess some people probably use sex yeah but you can use anything people use sure. work work sure yeah. people yeah. use their children oh, um, that's huge oh, sure. that's huge sure. in like the Chinese community right where like your your children are your little gods right. and they're your saviors so they better make lots of money <laughs> you know sort of thing and their success means your success um, so I I believe that like we find f- we call them false idols. Where it's just going to say idolatry, yeah. that whole yeah, idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, but these false things that we want to stake our worth on, that really will fail us at the end of the day. And it just yeah. isn't fulfilling at all. No. Yeah. That's like, um, yeah, just the, and it's the, empty, and that's the thing that makes me so scared about Americans right now is that we, we are trying to fulfill ourselves with emptiness and yes. this, this consumerism and that right. what makes you a good person is worth and stuff and things Yeah, when, you know, it's uh, storing up your treasures on earth, right. you know, the Lord doesn't store them up in heaven. It's the same, yeah. it's the same thing. Like, why are we, and is that, is that the, is consumerism the devil? Like, is that, that whole thing? Like, I need this thing to if I don't have the new iPhone 10, my right. soul will not be filled. Like, sure. <laughs> and I wouldn't say that's the devil. I would say that, like, I think the devil uses that and, like, ah. cranks up the dial of, of feeling insecure without stuff. But that, that, that fear is already there. Huh. It just gets amplified 
you know, if you mm-hmm. have nothing else to drown it out. Um, but I feel like, you know, that can also be flipped on the other side where sometimes I feel like social justice is its own form of legalism. You know, huh. where like you're shamed for not fighting hard enough for the justice and, and dignity of other people, and and I, I think like I I at, at this point in my journey, I'm like, okay, as soon as something's using shame and guilt and anger, it's no longer in the same realm where Jesus is. Sure, right? Yeah, and that's so, a great way to think about it. Yeah, and so I think that that like this void that people fill in it can be consumerism and stuff I think is one end I would say the millennials who are like really passionate about social justice all the social justice warriors they use justice to fill that same hole too right right? and it's just as empty when it's meant to fulfill their own worthiness right right and when they use that to judge the worthiness of another human being right right well and that's what that's what religion feels like to a lot of people is I have this rules this set of rules and laws so that I can feel better than you so I can call you out and say, right. look, you're not being a good Christian. Yes. I see that and I'm trying right. to help you. But then it's like, remove right. the plank from your own eye before you're, yes. or remove the, the speck from your own eye before you remove the log from your brother's. No, no other way around. Move, yep. right, the remove plank the speck from your brother's eye before yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, because we're so yeah, blinded by our own. I, that's the thing I love about Jesus is yes. the whole, the Beatitudes and the allegories that yes. don't, I, okay, so my, my boyfriend turned 33 and I wanted to have a Jesus party for him. <laughs> and, uh, I wanted to make like um, pearls before swine. So I was right. going to get little oh, like um, pearl onions and wrap yes. them in bacon. Oh, I love you it. You know, like, and yes. I wanted to make, you know, five loaves, two fishes yes. kind of thing. Right. And I wanted to have all these Bible based foods. And is stuff. he also, he was raised, he was, um, okay. his his grandparents were missionaries. Oh, wow. And his father was born in Chile because his okay. grandmother was a missionary and she was right. in Japan for years. Wow. And they're like white Swedish people, but right. went all over the world and a lot of his family are still pastors and That's very, cool. very, um, yeah, they're, he comes from a very, very uh, Christian background, both yes. of us do. Yeah. So it was something that we definitely bonded on. Yeah. Because... Uh, it helps. It helps it, to have someone also in the same space as you too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's the... It, we with the same experience growing up. I mean, yeah. he even went to Mount Hermon. So, right. you yes. know, it's, it's, I'm like, oh, we have similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, we're both, I mean, it's like calling yourself a moral person. Do you feel like a moral person? Without, you know, with Christianity right. aside. Yeah. Would you, you know, I think that this is what I sincerely believe is that everybody was made in the image of God. Okay. And so I believe that, like, I do believe sin nature, like, everyone is sinful and, like, we're all screwed up, messed up, hungry for, you know, Jesus, but filling with the wrong things, and that leads us to a lot of mistakes. Um, but we were never intended to be that way. Mm. And so, um, so it's hard for me to separate the Jesus out of the intention of us being these reflections of Jesus. So, but, like, from Garden of yeah. Eden standpoint, like, right. we were meant... To be, and if we can think of yes. it as an allegory, right. that we were made in the image of God, we were there, everything was perfect, right? And then we made the choice to sin, right? And that's yes. what. So we changed. Humanity is what changed. Sure. The perfection. Right. Yes. And, what, what, could you imagine that? What if? What if the Garden yeah. of Eden had never? Right. I think about that all the time. And if you can imagine, childbirth wasn't supposed to be so painful. Oh my God! You're gonna um, have twins. I know. Exactly. I'm like so mad at Eve. I'm like, damn it, Eve! Mm, you just you didn't have to like eat apple? that. I know, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, do you? Are you gonna use? Um, 
And this is just a complete, yeah. an epidural. Are you going to do, are you going to go natural? I'm just So curious. you know what, with twins, like the chances of a C-section go so much higher because really? one could be breached, the other not. Oh. And so, so I first went, I'm like pretty hippy dippy without, with, with all the birthing stuff. Like I have a doula and I want to go natural, but once I found out how twins, I'm like, well, we'll just see. Well, I might be a C-section, right. but it's kind of nice. Like not having an attachment to how they're going to come out. Sure. You know, my one attachment, they both come out alive. Right, exactly. So. Absolutely. And I, I, yes. I'm alive. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. All, All three, three of us are alive. All three I'm great. good to go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And then how they do it, it's... Right. Ooh. Yes. Are you, are you scared? No, I'm not. You know, um... I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've been listening to like hypnobirthing CDs, and they're very helpful. And they're very like it doesn't have to be as painful if you like work with the pain. Like the pain increases like when you resist it, and you're like, oh, I'm so mad. There's pain, uh, but you're like, this is part of the process. This is my uterus, like you know, working to get the baby out. And so it's like hypnobirthing is a lot like with working with the body and yeah. working with the waves of pain versus Oof. yeah water birth thinking about water birth no, no yeah probably not yeah I do remember there was like this comedy thing I went to and they're like yeah when I was looking at the birthing options one of them was like birthing with the dolphins you know <laughs> right yeah sure <laughs> I know right they're gonna eat my baby yes I know the dolphin ate my baby All right. no. exactly so <laughs> uh, no probably won't be doing a water birth but you know I don't know and uh, what are the just you, top three things you're looking forward to about motherhood? Um, let's see. The top three things I'm looking forward to about motherhood. I think one is um, raising them and just making my mistakes but being okay with it, right? And um, so I'm looking forward to just having two little beings to love and care for and take care of, I think is one of them. Um, I think the second one is, I think the way that it's going to exponentially grow my understanding of God. Wow. You know, and just like, and and increase my reliance on Him because I'm like, oh shoot, you know, there's no way I can do it all. Um, And the third one is, I think, just growing my relationship with my husband too. Just kind of seeing how that's going to shift, change, um, hopefully deepen things, right? Kids can make things more complicated, but yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Do you have a, are you going to be a stay-at-home mom? Is that possible or are you going to take some time off? That's a good question. Um, I think we will see as we go. Um, We could probably make it work if we like, you know, stretch ourselves and things like that, which is, I know not everyone has that. Um, So we're very blessed that like that might be an option for us. I'm the type of person I get the feeling I'll want to go back to work. Sure. You know, Um, and and I was just talking to my friend about this where like, when you come from a conservative church, there's a lot of mommy shame for mm. working right really oh yeah it's very like I remember my husband and I the like one, month one when we got married like he sits me down I'm coming home really late from work 7 mm-hmm. 8 p.m. so I get it he's concerned he goes you know like when we have kids you're gonna stop working right and then I looked at him and I was like you hate your job I love mine. Why am I the one giving it up, right? Feminism, yeah. Uh, yeah, good. no, very strong. And he goes, because it's biblical. And then I got so mad because I'm like more of a Bible scholar than he is. Like sure. I'm the one that went to seminary and things like that. Wow, and so, so I just like ripped into him. And I was like, you show me where it says. He's like, oh, the part where it says if a man doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an unbeliever. I'm like, that was in the context of widows. Sure. Like that was in the context of like widows having family members that could provide for them. They didn't, the church would take 
take them on. But like that's more like if you have a family member who's maybe a single mom who can't make it, then you take care of her. It has nothing to do with maleness being the provider. Wow. You know? And so like I know, I just like totally schooled him. Um and so like and so but it was a good challenge for me because at that time being a good teacher was my idol. Right. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. And I was willing to sacrifice so much for that. And so it it was a good way for me to really challenge myself to be like, okay, how can I cut back on this so that this isn't something that I need to serve, but Mm. something that it's very joyful for me. Yeah. And so there's so much you do get so so much fulfillment out of being a teacher because you see them learn yeah. and it's so exciting to be able right. to change the lives of tiny people yes. like it's absolutely it's exciting it to is. open their eyes to critical thought or to right. understand a story right. or to you know think yeah. critically about anything oh I mean, definitely <laughs> yes yes right yes <laughs> for sure just yeah. i can't believe with the cell phones the thing that makes me crazy about the cell phones is that we're giving 12 year olds oh, boys gosh. all the porn and yes. even even when they're like and I, I hate to be so like fundamental about this, but if you have a 12 year old boy and you give him a phone and you even put parental locks on it, mm-hmm. you put five 12 year old boys in a room and they will know every single password. They will know everything that's going yes. on. You think you're smarter than five 12 year old boys? No, mm-hmm. not when it comes to getting in the way between them, their phone and their porn. Yes. It is scary and it's it awful is. because then they don't have a context because no. all they see are these really graphic and just inappropriate and images very violent too. violent yes. yeah and it's ter- and but there's no they have all of it and there's no one saying like well it's a problem for the girls as well because yes. then the girls are expected to do things that they didn't even know because they're not watching it and the guy and then there's this whole like well, and the girls are watching it too the girls are watching or it too i've never and yes. i can't even I'm 40, back and forth. I can, nude pics I, is like a thing now yeah. I just I don't I like ah modesty like right. not that modesty is great but like what are we we're just not putting value yes. on our own like bodies bodies and and I think that that can go even deeper like you don't I mean it's not just we don't want kids to get STDs I mean it's like why do we talk about yeah celibacy or not celibacy abstinence before right. marriage what is the purpose and the point right. of that and I think some of it is like to keep them safe from yeah. STDs and right. potential babies and like when 16 year old girls are so fragile right. and if a boy says do this they're probably going to do it because they want him to like yes. them and then now they have all these images and they're like this is what I'm supposed to do and you're like no 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 don't ever have to do that yeah that's definitely. not I have a huge huge problem with porn oh, oh, I have definitely. a huge if there's and I feel like and people are like come on you're almost 44 years old like what's wrong with you my boyfriend and I we don't watch we just and he doesn't watch either neither of us are that's porn great. I know because yeah. it's gross I just it and is. I think it's I no, think that what people it. share together is what they share together and I don't understand why there needs to be like extraneous images right. or stuff. I, I don't know. Yeah. No. It's a and it's this oh, whole it's industry so, too. It, yes. yes. Yeah, for sure. But you know the interesting it's my puritanical thing. Yeah, no. And I think like what the interesting thing is about pornography and like and this is like this is something I'm really passionate about. Like I will talk to like my teenage Christian kids about pornography and things like that. Because if you don't hear it from somebody else you're gonna get you're not gonna hear it from like anyone safe and you know, who like yeah, you don't who'll talk have to your a parents about No, you don't, right? Not. And like 
yeah, if there's so much science about it, you're going to fill it up with your own stories. But, like, the, the truth of it is, like, with a lot of porn addiction and things like that, a lot of the time it's used as a way to escape from something else. Sure. Right? It's just like the drugs and alcohol. It's just like the drugs and alcohol. It's just another form of that. And, and like, the, the cure for that isn't stop doing porn, but it's let's explore why are you going there. Right. Like, what is it that's sure. driving you there? And I remember, like, what I love about my church is they're so open and vulnerable, and they're all about, like, I'm a sinner, and here's my sin, and, like, I need grace. And so we had somebody who was, like, very up there in our church, and he talked about his struggles with porn. Huh. And he was, like, you know, basically confessing that he's had this, like, you know, ever since he was 12, he discovered pornography. But he said, like, I was a fat kid, mm. and, like what I liked about pornography is these narratives of these women who wanted me and I wasn't getting that elsewhere and and so like I would shame myself to try to stop it but that wasn't working and he said like what what finally worked was like knowing that I'm wanted by Jesus you know wow and like and that that was kind of like like it was like it's just a whole different perspective of looking at like the whole entire industry of sexuality and things like that because yeah. beneath it yes it is like this very gratuitous thing um but beneath it is like there's this deeper longing for connection ah. or this deeper longing for being wanted or being validated like mm-hmm. the pornography industry thrives off of making men feel special wanted and powerful when wow. they're not like that like as a 12 year old you're not wanted special powerful you have no power right and things like that and so you find this world where physically it feels good but in this much more emotional spiritual level it's fulfilling something else as well in a very false way right 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 um and so i think like what's important to tack on to this discussion about sexuality with young people is like like what's driving you there and let's 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 talk about that Right. Yeah. yeah. I, and I just think that we start need to start talking with kids uh, about it because oh. they all have phones now. Yes. It's everywhere. And it's crazy because the internet is a scary place. Right. And it's it's like one of those things where like if you remember like drawing the little angle and you draw like the one percent thing and like the more that you draw it, the more like pronounced it gets. Yeah. And like the same thing is is like as you start to get addicted to pornography, you need more and more obscure or gratuitous things to feel excited right and and a lot of people have this theory like that's how pedophilia begins actually wow it's like like no one starts off saying i want to screw a child right but like it most likely that became the pornography that they got off on Uh right wow and so like yeah and so there is this interesting thing about like when there's a vacuum you fill it up with whatever is available and what's going to be available are these like more and more kind of seriously disturbing things. Mm. And I remember even like talking to somebody about like he was struggling with having ancestral feelings with his sister and like most likely like I didn't talk to him that much about it, but I'm thinking it has to do with the fact that he probably watches pornography. And the incest porn is a big new thing that people have been, I'm like... Right. It blows my mind. I'm like, yes. and I feel like such like a snowflake when I'm like, there's what? Yeah. <laughs> like there's like I never even saw. I I only heard of it in name, but two girls, one cup, which I I heard is disgusting. I think the girls eat poop or something. Gross. I know it's terrible. Yeah. But that was a thing that was like. But that's the scary thing about the internet yes. is we give kids access to everything and then we don't tell them how to look at it yeah. w- with a critical eye or with not accepting it as truth. Like. Yes. 
they don't see it as fantasy. They no. don't understand even how to process fantasy. No. Do they? Like, no. yeah. do 12-year-olds know the difference between, like, they? I don't think they do. No, yeah. I don't think their yeah. brains are, like, big enough yet to no. understand that not everything they see is truth. Yes, yeah, for sure. And so, like, I'm so passionate that, like, the church needs to start talking about sex more. Yeah. We need to start talking about pornography more. We can't be scared of saying these words at church because if we don't talk about it and give a healthy perspective of, like, at the end of the day, what does sex between two people actually mean? Making right? babies. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was taught. But, like, yeah, right. Um, that's the thing, though. Right. If you think about it as making babies, then you take it a lot more seriously because sure. you're not just going to willy-nilly. Yeah. I mean, I have an IED, so it's not a big deal anymore. Right. And I've been in a committed relationship for over five years. And right. So it's great and fine and everything. Yeah. But, like, it's, I mean, it, I think when we teach children, like, sex in its biological form right. is to procreate. Sure. Now, we can also gain a lot of pleasure out of it, mm-hmm. but we have to think about the consequences Oh yeah, that's important. Of, of having a relationship, about having going to relationship counseling, about right. what does that mean? And when we just deal with these societal mores that are very loosey-goosey, yeah. you have 13-year-old girls having sex because they want someone to like them. Yes, and they think that's the standard. And right. they think that's what it is, and right. then then you get into more crazy you know, dilemmas right. about, what if you have a 13-year-old girl and she gets pregnant? Oh, sure. my God. Right. Like, what do you do then? Now we're in a super moral quandary because... Right. Does she have a baby? Does she put it up for adoption? Is right. she going to terminate the pregnancy? Do you believe in terminating pregnancies? Right. Does that go against the law of right. God? Like all these, but it can all be solved with, I don't know, education or yeah. Or I mean, knowledge? you know, and I think like what I really believe is that like it wasn't so much the fear of getting pregnant. It was like, I think what was given to me was this like belief that like sex was really sacred. Yeah. And yeah. like, it was like this really beautiful, like, um, commitment between a man and a, and a woman within the confines of marriage of being this like beautiful expression of, of their love and that it was you know um, and it was meant to be like the best way that I can sort of um, I'm trying to remember like the term for it but like I think like the, the term that my church used like you create a soul bond with that mm, person that's really nice and you're not meant to create a soul bond with somebody that gets ripped away later oh. like it just ruins something inside of it you it does one night right? stands are yeah. horrific and, all, and they hurt people and they make them right. but the, that's what so I was married to the same guy yeah. for 13 years and, and we were together and then so went after I divorced him I right. started having sex willy nilly because I moved to San Francisco and I was in my 30s and I was like let's right. but like every time that you do it and there isn't connection I do believe it just takes a little it takes a little meaning out of what it is right it's like take just a little puzzle piece out of how special it could have been and then but then once you have no puzzle left and you're sitting there and then it's like then it becomes sort of meaningless because you took the meaning away from it like I like I took the meaning away from it every time I said this isn't important. Right. And when other people, when you move to a place like San Francisco and people don't yes, care and they just right. do it willy-nilly right. all over the Absolutely. place and they're right. like, what's wrong with you? Why would you put any meeting in this right. whatsoever? Right. And it's like, but it, I mean, so then, so then I started feeling stupid because I was sure. like, I am attaching meaning to this act and everyone else in San Francisco was like, there is no meaning to this. And I'm like, but there was. Yeah. And, so. and, I, and I believe that there is for the people who don't even recognize it. Maybe they just don't see it just yet. Right. But um, I, I, yeah, I do believe that there is this like deep 
soul connection that happens with with sex yeah that isn't meant to be ripped apart well it's know? not meant to be yeah. just it doesn't yes. always happen if the more you give it away willy-nilly the less right. the less there could actually be that connection that bond yeah 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 for sure i'm so happy for you and your husband and your children <laughs> uh what what are some last things you want to say to wrap up um yeah, I think... Tell us your church name again. You guys have open. Oh, yes. People can come anytime. Yeah, people can come. Yeah, Resonate Church Resonate in church. Fremont. Bible yes. studies. Um, we have? have... We call them like missional community groups, mm. um, but they're just our small groups and things like that. And it's all about doing life together. Yeah. Um, and I love it because I was like in the group with my pastor's wife and there's just no pretension. That's great. You know, there's no just like, oh, like... I'm a pastor's I, wife. Right. I'm better than you. No, she's just like, <laughs> girls, I need help. You know, oh. and it was just so refreshing to be around people who are so vulnerable and so I think like if I had some lasting words it's just like I just want people to know like they are they are worth so much more than they can imagine Mm. and and the way that they can really finally access that is to like be connected to a God that unconditionally loves them yeah you know and I think that there's so much meaning in that people are worth something yes Intrinsically, it yes. doesn't have anything to and do with monetarily. No. It's like that just being human, right? Because you're in the you're you were created in the yes, and just existing, of, of, yeah, right. That like I believe everybody is of infinite worth. Oh, that's beautiful. Like regardless of the mistakes they made, like I believe that about Trump, even though he's like <gasps> all these like terrible things, all right? The lies. Yeah, and he could still be forgiven. Yeah, Jesus and, wants to forgive Trump. Yes, and his soul is still of infinite worth, just like my soul is of infinite worth. Wow, and so. That is very empathetic and compassionate of you. Thank you. Yeah. But it comes, it comes, <laughs> it comes from Jesus. <laughs> you're being empathetic toward Trump and... and th- Doesn't and, I agree with what he does? <laughs> no, right. No, but no, but that's that's impressive. That's real Christianity. That's yeah. that's following Jesus. The love, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And love God. And love, love God. God. Right. Love people, awesome. love God. That's it. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Chen here. Thank you. Christina hanging out. Uh, this has been Some Call Me Tim. Everybody, uh, read read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Go out, and pick it up, <laughs> read read some verses, uh, and um, you know, try to be compassionate to your fellow humans. And don't watch so much porn, you weirdos. <laughs> I don't mean to judge you. I'm not trying not to judge you. Sorry, Jesus. I'm trying not to judge him. Um, thanks so much again. Thank you. Uh, this has been Some Call Me Tim. Oh, when are you performing next? Tell the people. Oh, if you, you have you any, any upcoming Actually, shows? Um, I have one in August. I just don't know the date yet. I have okay. to like get that down. I have another one in like September 13th, I think, out in Campbell. Um, and you and work so. pretty clean. You work clean. Like, um, cleanish. Ish, you know what? I don't think I'm clean because, from like a Christian perspective, I'm not. Right. So I feel like I'm but like from a comedy perspective. You're yes, I've heard, I've been told I'm clean, which is interesting to me. Well, then I have a show for you um, on Saturday, August 18th. Okay. It's um, between noon and six. We have the noise pop block party, and we're okay. going to be doing karaoke and comedy. And oh, I'm booking fun. people throughout the day. Yeah. But what I've been telling people is it has to be sort of clean in the way okay. where if there was a 12 year old who was walking by you wouldn't feel like oh god I just said something right because really I talk a lot about sex which is fine okay yeah so that's why I feel like oh if you're clean comedy you don't talk about, I, I think of clean comedy like veggie tales no so. no that's like that's right no veggie tales okay but um yeah okay. I'll, 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 yes. I'll book you on the 18th because yeah, it would be know. a lot of fun that would be a lot of fun yeah, thank you it's, yeah. oh, it's going to be open all day it's the noise pop block party so oh, the cool. entire neighborhood is closed down about 30,000 extra people come in the neighborhood and oh, there's wow. music and there's food and it's really fun and okay and then we're over here doing stuff so yeah yay lynn chen thank you so much for thank being you. here uh this has been some call me tim we'll be back next week 
I don't remember who our guest is, but um, again, uh, okay, go to go to church, you weirdos. <laughs> Save your soul. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to MutinyRadio.fm. Thank you. That was so much fun. of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my
my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. (laughs) Well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swell's way I know to get it is just by using Green Army skincare. Hey, everybody. We're just being joined uh, on Some Call Me Tim by Sweet Gail. Oh, is that you, Pam? That is me, Sweet Gail. How are you doing? It's been a long time since I caught up with you. I know. Well, we have time right now to Good. catch up. How are, I've been hearing you on... Um, Afternoon delight on yeah, Thursdays yeah, between to get three a and six. Where they send us free money. No, I know we have the we have uh, the we have the envelope right here. We're actually taking uh, it's Sweet Gale PO Box seven two zero zero seven six, San Francisco, California nine four one seven two. Send her money. Yeah, but I wasn't trying to get you guys to give me money. I'm talking about the vast community out there. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, give Sweet Gale money. I I I hundred percent hope no, that you get some that, envelopes what, in the mail from that? people. It's, I, I'm excited that you're going for free money. No, because look, look at my, look what I'm saying. You got people calling you for the IRS scam. The you IRS the scam? Money. What's the IRS scam? Just, you know, they call up, this is the IRS, you're in trouble, so they can get you to fork over money. They, they do? What is this? Tell me about that. I've never, I've never well, heard I of this scheme. I got one phone call, you know, it was robocall saying, this is uh, your last chance from the IRS, or you're in trouble, or... I and then have I no have people idea. call me up representing themselves and they're collecting some funds from the police or something. And then really? I called the police department and they said, no, they don't do that. And then they got the, you know, the catfish, you know, where they're hooking people for hundreds of thousands of dollars saying, uh, we're going to get married, kiss, 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 kiss. And wow. I mean, I'm sure, why send money to people that got a lot of money? And like all these big artists and record players and singers, they already rolling around. Like one guy, he's a televangelist, I guess. And he's trying to get his followers to send him $54 million for a jet. Ah. So what I'm thinking is, there's a lot of money floating around out there. So just send free money to Gail. 
That's P.O. Box 720076, San Francisco, California, 94172. Instead of giving money to the people that already got a lot of money, you know, I don't want a $54 million jet. Right, I do. Give, yeah. Someone write a $54 million check to Mutiny no, Radio. Jet, jet. This guy wants the followers to send the money so he can buy a jet, a jet that's valued at $54 million. That's crazy. Hey, last night I was disappointed yet again. Oh, by who? By the lottery. Oh, by the lottery. 522 million buckaroonians. And are you, you actually play the lottery. Yeah, I play that sucker bet. Do you now? Do you pick numbers or do you do quick picks? Oh, I find quick picks. You know, one ticket won in San Jose. One ticket. And that's it's millions Jose. and millions of dollars. Five hundred and twenty-two million. Five hundred and twenty. Gail, what would you do with five hundred and twenty-two million dollars? Well, you're not going to get that. Well, like, you right, know, you people, get you uh, get two hundred and thirteen million dollars because they take about half of it in taxes. They take half capital if you want to take cash value. So, um, but if you have then they take another half if you want to take uh, the tax out. So the, now, now let's okay. So let's just say that out of the five hundred million, you get one hundred and fifty million dollars. What would you do with one hundred and fifty million dollars, sweet Gail? Well, I wouldn't piss it all away like these other people do. How could you possibly piss away a hundred million dollars? I know a ten people they go broke within a year or something like that. Because what could you possibly buy for a hundred million dollars? What like I don't know. There was yachts? one time years ago, this guy was telling me this woman won like ninety million dollars, and she ran through the whole thing, and she was sitting in prison because she was writing bad checks. I mean, wow. you don't have to worry about spending it. You're going to have lots of friends. Right, who suddenly come out of nowhere. Now, you're going to have them then. Then they're going to be all kissing all over you. Oh, Pam, did I tell you you like Miss America? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the people that want to look at you for two seconds, all of a sudden you're going to be their special pal. Right, yes. You know, I have goals in life. I didn't become Miss America yet. <laughs> I didn't win an Academy Award. And as we all know, any goddamn person become president, and I didn't become president. <laughs> did you want to be president? President is a lousy job. But did you ever think, like, when you were little, gee, I'd like to be president of the United States? No. So what did you want to be when you were little? What were you like, what was little sweet Gail little thinking sweet about? Little sweet Gail was a pain in the fucking ass. <laughs> and she took her protest to school. What, uh, protesting about what? Making me go to school. Oh, you protested... I didn't want to go to school. They they forced me to go to school. Well, because that's it what, was law. All kids have to go to school. How old were you when this was happening? Well, way back when it was my time, they gave you up to eight year olds to put you in school. I don't know what the law the time the age thing is on now, but way way back in the Stone Ages, you had the eight years old to put the kid in school. Oh my gosh! They're not even kindergarten. And I, oh, I didn't go to kindergarten. Can't you tell by my behavior that I didn't go to kindergarten? <laughs> you can't tell. So anyway, I was trying to resist it till I was eight. But damn it, they got me at seven. And, and, wow, so you didn't go to, you, so what did they, you just went directly into second grade? No, first grade. First grade, okay. I mean, school was a screwed up affair back then, you know. They had a teacher tell them, lock the classroom door and give us little biology lessons. Of, you, when you go to your recess, you go to the bathroom or your bladder will get filled up, drawing pictures on the floor and telling the kids, 
Now, you don't have to go home and tell your parents everything. <laughs> I mean, school was a hotbed of corruption. Yeah? Yeah, another little boy talking about how he takes money, money out of his mother's purse. <laughs> uh, and then there was a graham cracker incident. What was the graham cracker incident? Some guy who passed out the graham crackers for some reason was nibbling on the corner of my cracker. Oh. And I don't know how long he was doing it, but another kid turned them in. <laughs> for nibbling. Oh, and then we had we went to the aquarium or something, and the alligators, uh, were they alligators or crocodiles? I don't know. Some kid dropped his lunch into the alligator crocodile man, and he wanted to jump down into to get that lunch back. <laughs> he wanted to go actually go over and get go, jump down, and the teacher said, um, no, no, you don't have to do that. The other kids will share your lunch with you. Oh. Now, you, now look, you've seen the way I'm built. Do you look like, do you think I've shared my lunch with anybody? I, I, I mean, I would, if I had enough food, I would share, but I, I was I mean, what, um, what, what, what year were you in grammar school here? Were we talking the 50s or the 60s? I, I have no idea how old you are. You're ageless to me, sweet girl. Well, let me say, when I was a kid, you can walk into a pet store and buy a monkey. What? And you can buy an hour here too, because we had a couple. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up in California? Good old San Francisco. You grew up in. You were born and raised in San Francisco. At that time, you can go into a pet store and buy yourself a monkey. You go in the pet store and you can buy yourself a alligator. That's insane. So, what year are we talking about? In the Stone Ages. Yeah, I know, but like, so when the summer of love happened in '69. Were you having sex yet, or were you not? I'm trying to pinpoint your age. Well, because I'm just wondering how old you were. It reminds me of yesterday. I called up for some business, and the woman addressed me as Mrs. And I don't like to be addressed as Mrs. Because I'm not a Mrs. Right, of course not. Have you ever been married? Hell no. You've never been married? Wow. Why would I want to go to modern-day slavery? No, no, no. I completely agree with you, Gail. I, I'll, I'll never get married again. It's absolutely modern-day slavery. Oh, you've slavery. been married. Ab- you know where Yeah, I'm divorced. Is. No, I know exactly. It is it is definitely modern-day slavery. It's a it's a contract that you enter into only if well, you want to protect Well, they get to fuck around with other people, but you don't? Uh, well, I, don't, I, don't. I mean, so anyway, it's 2018, and this woman called me Mrs. <sighs> and I'm not a Mrs. If I was a Mrs., Okay. But, but, but for me, it all played into the the thing that uh, if you validate, you have to have a husband. You have to be. And then what got me? I was talking to Social Security, and they told me, "Do you have cooking facilities?" Oh, like I said, like. It depends. Well, no, that makes a difference on your food stamps. If you have, if you don't have cooking facilities, you get a little bit more on food stamps, and you um, get hot stamps instead of just the cold ones. Well, they were making like, like that's a luxury. And then I made an appointment to call up Social Security, and they called me up, and I was telling them my impression of that comment that the other one made, and she was saying something about, if I understand correctly, so that is a luxury for some people to have cooking facilities. Which is a bunch of bullshit. This is supposed to be America. Hey, let's get to our politicians here. The guy that pulled down his pants. Yeah. You see the caliber of people that are running the country. Well, and... I was. We were talking earlier about him impeaching Trump, and I've always said it's very scary to impeach him because Wait, Pence is... the guy behind him? Right, he's a whack job. But, you know, you could have a... 
crazy whack job who believes that the dinosaurs weren't real um, and doesn't believe in uh, abortion. Not He's not a pro-lifer. He's a, or he's a pro-lifer, not a, uh, a pro-choicer. But it's, it's okay because if we all vote in November and we have a Democratic House and Senate, then once we impeach Trump, Pence is a lame duck. I think we're not looking ahead of it. This guy is crappy, but how about the other guy? Well, I, found I know, but, that he wanted to put in a conversion center. Right, but if we exactly, but if we if we if we elect in the midterms, if we make the House and the Senate be both Democratic, then he'll be a lame duck president. Because if we impeach Trump and Pence becomes president, there's nothing he can do because he won't be able to push anything through the House or Senate. So all of his crazy whack job ideas with like the conversion camps and and, <laughs> no, and pro life. No, exactly, but you don't have to worry about him because he'll be toothless. Like, we'll, we'll remove his fangs. It'll well, all be fine. What gets me is, I think a lot of the problems in the world is people want to mind each other's business. People that are your age are what? People, a lot of the problems in the world, people want to get into other people's business. Oh, they want to get into other people's business. Yeah, Why yeah, don't yeah. you just take care of yourself? If you don't want to have an abortion, that's fine. Yeah, don't have one. Yeah. But then go tell a hundred people they can't have one. Right, I, I, hundred, sweet Gail, speak the truth. Well, look at this. <laughs> there, there, these, what gets me is because I watched The View and Megan McCain. You know, she doesn't want to have children, as I understand. It, that's that's John McCain's daughter. Yes. Yeah. But she doesn't want to have children. But I think she's against abortions. Huh. But why is she having sex with her husband if she doesn't want to have children? Because it's like pick and choose. Because we all know, well, we don't all know, we, we should know, that sex is only supposed to be a, punch, a function of procreation. Well, if you believe in the Catholic Well, if she situation. believes in non-abortion, right. how could she believe in having sex and not becoming pregnant? I, hey, pull out that catch twenty-two, Gail. You, you're, you're a thinker. Yeah, I'm a. Th- well, anyway, I was also saying they should send Mutiny Radio money. Yes, people should. Uh, they can go to our website, mutinyradio.fm, and hit the donate button there. They can also write us a check and send it in the mail. Just. I mean, I'm money. on the mind that the underdog should get some of the bones. Uh, thank you. I 100. percent I'm an underdog. I'm not rolling around in a $54 million jet. I'm not got a yacht. I'm not in Congress or in the Senate who is taking a good time like you're in a little club and not taking care of the people, you know. And the guy who runs the house and is saying something about the one that got the $31,000 dining room table for his office and blamed right. his wife somehow. Yeah. He's saying that public housing should be so, uh, so nice so people want to get the hell out. And they want to cut back on people's food stamps. Yeah, they want it. They definitely are trying. Um, when I these just... people come in office and they have those business meetings and lunches and crap, what kind of food do they have? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I um I was at this is a couple of years ago, but um I was at at um. Whole Foods, and you have to tell them that you're buying whatever you're buying with food stamps before you buy it. Otherwise, you press the wrong button. It's almost like they have to publicly shame you. But I had gotten a little foie gras. It was just to put on some bread and with the cheese, and it was lovely. We were going on a picnic into into the park there at that Whole Foods by the by the park by Golden Gate. And uh, the lady looks at me and she goes, 
foie gras with food stamps. And I'm like, you know what, bitch? <laughs> like, just because I'm poor doesn't mean I don't have good taste. And it wasn't that expensive. Like, You're talking about duck liver? Yeah, I'm talking about um, goose and duck liver oh, pate duck, that you I can get at the Whole Foods. And it was like a $3 slice of, of goose liver pate. I mean, please, for the calories and the price, it was really actually pretty good pretty good food you know but i was just shame, being oh, shamed well, they can't shame me no i can't, I can't shame me i'm like because I, I know the people should be shamed is the people running this country and they have people sleeping on the street and they have people asking you if you got cooking facilities yeah, and the money is coming i don't know mira breed i've been in touch with her office yeah london breed she's badass and i think she's the way she, I think she's real, because when I called there before, when it wasn't her in office, a lot of times they didn't answer the phone, right. or the phone went ringing and went to neighborhood services. Hmm. Well, I called London Breeze office several times, and each, like three times, it was answered by someone in their office. That's exciting. I actually need to call them. I have some ideas to help out the city. That um, is 6141. Five five four six one four one. I'm gonna put it in my phone right now because that's great. And then, but I don't know if they changed the, the greeting because last time I, you know, when they weren't there. Five five four six four. Five five four six one forty one. Six one forty one. Good. Yeah, that's the mirror's office, and they still have the salutation, the greeting of. This is Mirror Edwin Lee. <gasps> really? I mean, the last time I got their voicemail. So I don't know if they're leaving it there. Well, I talked to the lady maybe Monday five, five, or one, name, six, whatever, one, four, and she said, "Well, I want to know if she addressing what I want, you know, uh, what I thought was corruption in government, or uh, what I called the FBI about an American activity." Sure. And the FBI got kind of annoyed at me, as far as I can tell. And the guy <laughs> said, "Don't call back here anymore. Stop calling here." That's very funny. Maybe. I wanted them. I was had vague hopes they might come over and and rough me up and take me out in handcuffs, then I can get in the news media. Right. Put forth, well, I've been trying to get exposed for years and now. And you could leave the house. When's the last time you left the house? Oh, gee, I left the house for my medical treatment. What, what, what was that last medical thing I went to? Hmm, one where I'm, when they told me I'm losing my hearing. Oh. <laughs> so, anyway, I wanted to know why... And because it was because uh, it's an age thing. It's right. Know? Yeah, my eyes are degenerating. I, I need reading glasses well, now. I, I can't see. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Do they I send you free weed? I get them removed now because it's better now before I get older. It's, it's, look, like I was telling the guy who did my hearing thing, you have two choices. Either you're going to get older or you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no, I mean, you're going to have to put up with all this stuff. You know, yeah. and live, or you're gonna die. Yeah. And I was telling them that I don't go for that suicide stuff. No, like the guy, the kid, twelve years old, and she killed herself. Oh, that's very because sad. some assholes are bothering her. Right, because kids are bullies and they're awful. Yeah, yeah. Were Were you bullied as a child? I told you my bathroom story. I was in school, and they looked over the the stall, and I was changing my sanitary napkin. Oh my And they were God. saying, "What is she doing?" Is she changing her diaper? Oh, my God. And then I looked up and said, are you having fun? Then they dragged me to the office. This is way back before gay liberation. Wow. And they were telling me, why did you say that? Why did you say that? And it took me years and years and years to figure out they were offended 
because I they don't I was calling these children who shouldn't have been peeking at me anyway gay. Oh, I mean, it took me years to figure out that I was being persecuted as a gay person. I wasn't gay. But you were having your period. I'm so confused now. You're confused People made fun of you because they saw you changing your pad and they said. You are you changing your diaper? Your and you said, "Are you gay?" And then no, no, you got it. Are you having fun? Are you having fun? Yeah. Were they girls or boys? They're girls. They were girls because boys wouldn't. You didn't. They didn't have unisex bathrooms back then. What am I talking about? Well, we're talking. This is back in the Stone I Ages. Was at an old-fashioned big bonus pad. Plus, I got my period before the other one, so they didn't know what the hell they were looking at. But it took me years to figure out I was being persecuted for being gay when I wasn't even gay. You You see, that's why I'm always probably, and this isn't the only time that I was perceived as gay. Uh, That's why I got a little taste of it, and that's why they didn't bother with gay people. What the fuck is that? Because I got a little of it, and I wasn't even... Anyway, you know, because I was watching public TV... And they had something called the Green Book. The Green Book. And it's not like the Little Red Book. It's not the Little Red Book of Communism. It has nothing to do with Mao Zedong. Because that was for black people when way back in the 40s or whatever, or 50s. It was a directly of where they can go to uh, you know, get in hotels or motels and where they can eat when they traveled. Yeah. When they had, and then they had another book. It was called the Address Book. And it was a little address book, and it was way back to tell gay people where gay-friendly places were. Wow. Yeah. Because it was illegal. It was illegal to be gay back then. It oh, was. Yeah. I mean, I remember the whole Stonewall thing in the in the 70s in New York, and it was illegal to be gay. I know. Something, they arrested someone from touching in their in this yeah. bar or something. I don't know, but they, I didn't, didn't know they had what they call the address book, yeah, which was a book of directions for people who wanted to go to different, like the Black Cat or something called the If Place. And you know, today. So anyway, I, I don't care what people say about TV, and you're a teacher too, a former teacher. A lot of people think it's, it's boo-tube time, but I've learned a lot of things off of television. Yeah. But, but anyway, we got to wrap it up, Gail. Finances. Everyone out there, support the underdogs. Mutiny Radio, if you want to do something with the arts, for, I mean, you can send more money to those millionaire singers and actors and mansions holders, but send some to Mutiny Radio. Well, exactly. Instead of buying a People magazine, give that $5 to Mutiny Radio. Come on. And who, who cares about I don't even know who any of the stars are right now I can't even name like a famous person right now uh, well, Roseanne's going to be on Hannah Day oh, I love Roseanne I don't have a problem with Roseanne I also still like uh, Kathy Griffin I don't have a problem with her either well they had the lady that she insulted on the, uh, the view this morning Oh. and she does look white Roseanne said she didn't know she thought she was white Rachel Dozel? I'm so confused. I don't know what we're talking about. But Sweet Gail, uh, gotta go. I have another uh, guest in the studio. Remember, keep pushing the campaign for the underdogs. Keep Mutiny Radio and Gail. Mutiny Two Radio and day. Sweet Gail. Two underdogs at once. Let's, put out. Let's push that money to Gail. Forget those millionaires. Absolutely. Right, um, bye. Bye, Gail. Bye. 
Okay. So that was Sweet Gail. If, if you want to send Sweet Gail some free money, you can do that. You can send it to her at Sweet Gail, P.O. Box 720076, San Francisco, California, 94172. Uh, send Sweet Gail some money. She uh, Or... She lives alone on a fourth-story apartment, but now she's had two knee replacements and two hip replacements, so she cannot leave the house because of the stairs. It is very, very sad. Oh, somebody's calling me, but I am not going to answer it right now. Uh, hey, Natalie Fauzi in the house, in the hizzy. You could, yeah, we'll just, we'll just, um, if you can, can you hang out past four o'clock or how are you? Good. Cause we can do the, we can do the voiceover in the four o'clock hour. Okay. Um, but this is just the second bit of some call me Tim. Usually we talk about religion, but we don't have to talk about religion. Gail wasn't, she was talking about being bullied as a child, but, um, yeah, here we are at the end of some call me Tim. Uh, Natalie Fauzi is a comedian. Uh, she's also like a real person who's real jobs and stuff like that. And, uh, and uh, do you do you believe do you believe in God at all? Do you believe in Jesus? Uh, I am uh, currently debating whether I believe in God. Yeah, God or Jesus? Uh, same person. Same person. <laughs> uh, but you are of Palestinian descent. Uh, Egyptian and Palestinian. Egyptian and yeah. Palestinian descent. So, are your family is your family Muslim or Christian? Christian. Yeah. Christian Palestinians. Uh, Coptic Orthodox Egyptian. What does that mean? Coptic Orthodox? Uh, someone out there is going to know more than me about this, but uh, Coptic Orthodox is one of the oldest Christian churches established huh. after the time of Christ. Wow. By disciples. And are they more stringent in some way that normal than Christianity? Or is uh, there, what, what are they're the different They're very precepts? conservative, but there's... Uh, I, I'm going to... There's generally two schools schools within the Coptic Orthodox uh, community. There's the Copt Orthodox who are very conservative. They actually um, do math, uh, do a mass with the female and male parties separated. Wow! And uh, oh. <laughs> the women actually wear veils on their uh, on their head to take communion as a sign of being humble. I'm probably screwing this all up, all the details. But uh, and then the other, and then there is a less conservative, more progressive. Uh, Coptic church they they refer to themselves as the Copt Catholics mm. and they're just more Roman Catholic about the traditions in the church and a little bit and less stringent that way what and what do you believe um, I was baptized Coptic Orthodox and then put in uh, 12 years of well, 11 years of Catholic school wow so you did all the catechisms. Yeah. God as a spirit does not have a body like a man. Yeah, I was confirmed. <laughs> you were confirmed. So you did the whole like wearing the white outfit and marrying Jesus sort of in a small way. I don't remember <laughs> too much about it. I know you had to have like a sponsor and that was my brother and you had to pick another name. You didn't you didn't uh, get to use your own name. Huh. Mine was Veronica. Ooh, and sexy. I don't, I don't entirely remember uh, the whole process. It was huh. a long time ago. I think it was in high school when I did that. Um, but you don't, I mean, you don't consider yourself a religious person now. I wouldn't say that I'm hyper-religious, no. Hyper-spiritual? Uh, I guess I have some strong affinity to Christianity because I was raised that way, but I'm certainly not a practicing um, Catholic or Coptic. I have a strong affinity with there being something greater than us. 
Right. But I'm currently uh, struggling right now. So, <laughs> so are you? And, and are you? You said I said. Do you believe? Do you believe in God? Is it that the, you're grappling with the existence of a higher power right now, or is it that the specific Judeo-Christian model of one singular God, or like what's the struggle? Uh, I'm not feeling particularly. Um, how do I say? Uh, I don't. I de- I'm definitely questioning things that I was that people say, like, "Oh, it's a sign." Like, I don't oh. believe there are signs, or something happened for a reason. Like, mm. I don't. I don't necessarily believe in those things, like the idea of things being predestiny or right. pre. Yeah, sure. So, I think from that point of view, I'm definitely questioning. Uh, traditional things that we were taught to believe as either Catholics or Coptics that you know that there there's something written down and it's right God knows every all the numbers of hairs on your head that used to freak me out when I was little (laughs) and I'd be like God knows all the number of hairs on my head like he knows that much about me and then my brother would pull a big section of my hair and he'd be like how many does does God know now how many hairs you have in your head I'm like you just pulled my hair you're a jerk yeah I think a lot of life is just coincidence Ah. so um, I'm starting to really I've been shifting into that thought process a lot more for the last decade just because life didn't turn out the way so now you're just like well it's coincidence yeah i don't think you know things happen for a reason or you're lucky or unlucky it's just proximity doesn't equal fate yeah just in the same place at the same time yeah yeah i think you really have to take control and steer direction i don't think that you can just wait and see what happens you have to really know what you want and go after it and what do you do you have do you have an idea right now like a a, an idea that you're striving for do you have like one of these sets of goals at the moment no are you just floating aimlessly? I'm float- I feel the- like I'm floating aimlessly right now. I'm trying to figure out my next steps. Really? Yeah. But you're working. You uh, like your work? Not working, actually. You're not, but you were at meetings today somewhere else. So that's... Yeah, I'm, I'm networking oh. for work. Yeah. Because you're Try- looking for that dream. Next job. The next job. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you want to do? Have you thought about that at all? Like uh, yeah, I, I want to do... I definitely want to get more into uh, sort of the sales side of things, solving problems for customers and making people happy, but also getting a lot more movement, a lot more interaction with folks. I definitely don't want to be sitting behind my desk. But you've been creating. in sales. You've been in sales. In the I've never you've been never in sales, not literally. I've supported huh. sales and I've supported companies uh to increase their revenue and look for revenue opportunities but from a from an innovation product side not from a what was your major in college i'm just curious mechanical engineering wow what yeah you're an enigma you were a chemical engineering no mechanical mechanical engineering yeah wow and but you didn't become like a architect or a I mean, what is a mechanical engineer? Do you build things, right? You like yeah. do design work for you know systems. Pretty close. All yeah. right. Wow. <laughs> uh, what about you? What was your undergraduate? Uh, theater. Theater. Yeah, wow. Theater. I was. I never. I always knew I wasn't going to make any money. I was clear on that. From <laughs> I just the signed up like, to be poor. Never gonna, yeah, signed up to be poor. Like not gonna. I remember uh, in college, I was considering uh, journalism and. Um, I talked to the VP, or not the VP, but the, sh- the chair of the department, and he said, well, who do you think you're going to be writing for? 
And I said, well, I don't know. He's like, do you, you mean like, you know, life or, and he pulled out, you know, these big popular magazines. Right. This was before the internet, really. Sure. I'm old. And uh, he's like, well, you know, you're never going to get here. Basically, this is like an impossible place to get, you know, one in 100,000 people make it this far or something like that. I don't remember the statistics, but he did a very good job in discouraging me. Sure. <laughs> and telling sucks. me that I was going to make no money. So, well, and, and <laughs> journalism, he was, he was right to steer you away from that because the, that was the beginning of the end of the, de- that was the beginning of the decline of physical newspapers yeah like there was you know in i don't know 97 they moved everything from like real pagination to quark and then they moved everything into all computerized um doing the newspaper and then all of a sudden it was all on the internet and now it's just like the death of actual newspapers so everything's just moved to online so being like a legitimate journalist or a newspaper person just doesn't even exist anymore as a yeah profession hardly now it's all online and the problem with online news is that everybody's so biased the whole point of journalism back in the day is that you rep if you represented one side then you represented the other side equally otherwise you didn't you you didn't the whole point was to be unbiased and neutral yeah right and now everything has a bias like every single website has a bias yeah even who's, newspapers it's now. always everything based on who's paying for it or who's sponsoring it right? right even news doesn't even seem like news it just all seems like advertisement people only want to do like stories on things that have somehow money attached like you send out a PR now to get a, an article written as opposed to absolutely true yeah it's it uh, is all about money isn't it's it all about money it's so hard to be you know a socialist in this capitalist world especially here in San Francisco everything's so expensive you're you're basically trained to see how you can make that extra penny just to see if you can stay here a little bit longer right Ugh, san francisco so many people are leaving in droves now right because it's well, too expensive you can't i mean it's you if you if you have rent control you're okay and you can never leave like that's that's the thing i'm scared of now is that you know everybody keeps saying oh you know do you want to move to new york or la and do comedy and pursue it and i'm like no i want to stay here and a lot of the reason comes from the concept that if i leave i can never come back like once i leave my rent control apartment there's no way I could come back and afford anything. I'll never find something for a thousand bucks a month where I can live in a studio. That just doesn't exist here anymore. It's like three thousand bucks. Who has that? Who has three thousand dollars a month to spend on? To, I, what? Like, I don't know. It's just it's astronomical that three thousand dollars used to be a pretty expensive monthly payment for a house. Like my first house, the the monthly payment was eighteen hundred for a house, and now like you can't even. Just, it's very scary in San Francisco. Do you live in San Francisco proper? I do, yeah. Wow. So that's going to be scary. When, when was your last employment stuff? <laughs> a while ago. So have you just, did you did you have tons of savings? or? Uh, yeah, you? I mean, I've just, I've been managing. It's not yeah. been that easy. Did you have to cash in a 401k or something? <laughs> no. That not was, yet. Yeah, not yet. That's mm-hmm. what I know a lot of people have done. But it's terrible because then you only get like, 33% of the value if you cash it in early. Yeah. Uh, another trick that I learned is if you do have a very um, low income earning year, you can, and you have the cash in your pocket, it's actually advisable to, to shift your IRAs, your traditional IRAs, into Roths and pay the taxes now because you probably won't have. You won't be at that low tax bracket again. Wow. In the Interesting. So. <gasps> But you have to have the cash to pay the taxes, but you'll be doing yourself a favor when you retire. 
Wow, because but once you retire, you don't have to pay the taxes anyways. No, you do if it's a traditional IRA and you're putting money in pre-tax. You actually oh, pay the taxes pay. later when oh, you take it out. I but it you're was all pre-tax. Only the Roth. the Roth is after tax, so that when you take it out, you don't pay, you don't taxes, pay any on taxes on it. Growth rate. That stuff trips me out because they they want to so they want to double they want you to they want to double dip you like it's the same thing where what if your parents paid taxes all their lives and then they leave you money but now you have to pay capital gains on it so you have to pay taxes on the money that they earned I know it's like it's it just it's they they get you the they, government's gonna get you every they, turn they always get you <sighs> every time yeah I. Uh, I, I um, just because I own the the station here now, I paid taxes for the first time in ten years. Do you fully I, own this? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, my name's on the business license and everything. So um, is it multiple people or just a nope, sole proprietorship? Just now? sole proprietorship. That is so awesome. It is so scary. <laughs> and when did you when did you pick that up? Uh, so last year was the first year I paid taxes, but it was I I put my name on the business license um, just before twenty so the end of twenty sixteen. So twenty seventeen was the first year that I had to get an accountant, pay taxes, and, and deal with all that. And this was the craziest thing. Taxes aren't a business expense. <laughs> so you have to write no, the check. <laughs> you have to write the ch- I had to write the check to the government from the Mutiny Radio account and pay the taxes. But I can't write that off next year. I can't write taxes off on next year's c- accounts, even though it's a business expense, but it's not. And I'm like, taxes are just taxes. Yes. How can they not be written off as a business expense? It's literally a business expense. I just don't understand anything. It's been a it's been a steep learning curve for me to be like, what are the how does the world work? Right? Like, Do you, you get to write off your fees to your accountant? Yes, that but not the, that year. The following year, yeah, yeah. But at least hopefully they're helping you figure out. Right, how to where do your advantage points are right, oh, and it's all just loopholes. So usually, you know, we talk about religion on this show, and taxes make me feel like an immoral person. In that, my accountant last year was like, "You really need to learn how to lie better." <laughs> they were like, "He's like, or this is just this creative way to run a business," and I'm like, "But is that?" They're like, "You just shake their head, like." Oh, you sweet little girl! You just have no idea how the world works. I'm like, right. I, 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 I don't believe in them. I'm total transparency in there. Right. Like, no, 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 no. You are a business owner now. Like, oh, okay. Move things what around. It's semantics. Semantics. <laughs> I know. To help, to help me save me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. So, how many years of uh, Christian? You went to Christian schools as well. I did. I went to Christian school from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade, and then I finally got transferred to a regular high school. And what a nightmare that was. Uh, and I almost did some time at a Christian college, but then I didn't, and I'm, I'm really glad that didn't happen. And why was high school a nightmare? Oh, because kids are evil. Because I grew up in Danville, and oh, you rich grew up kids, in the area. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Rich kids are the worst. They're just they're just entitled people making fun of other entitled people for not being entitled enough. Is just such an ass backward horrible. For example, I was made fun of uh, in high school because I I would wear. My mom wouldn't buy me guest jeans because they were too expensive, but she bought me a pair of palmettos and they had the upside down triangle, except they were palmettos instead of guests and they had zippers. Remember the zippered jeans when they were tied at yeah, the bottom yeah. and zippers? People made fun of me because they're like, you poser, those are those are palmettos, those aren't guest jeans. Like you poor person, you weirdo, like oh, trying wow. so hard. So for my 16th birthday, when my parents brought me a brand new Hyundai Scoop, <laughs> I got made fun of because it wasn't a BMW. I'm like, yeah. I have a brand new car. And they're like, 
a Hyundai. So lame. Like, blah, blah, blah. and I was like devastated over my, cause my car wasn't good enough. Like just such, such, Sounds like poor a horrific white, place. Poor little, <laughs> just poor little white girl problems where like I felt like I was so poor but like you know my bedroom was bigger than my almost the same size as my apartment now and I had my own bathroom as a child. I grew up in a house with th- four bathrooms. Like I was a rich person and I had no idea. I thought we were poor people. It, it was just perspective but I don't know. It's like that was just Danville. And and I so I smoosh Christianity and Danville together and make them into this thing. But and they don't and that they're just coincidental, really. But then now I get into the thing where like Christians are awful because they're all rich fucks. But they aren't. And and I don't mean to be so hyperbolic and I have to not be that way. But Christian I mean, kids were mean. Even the people in the church that I went to were mean to me and made fun of me and you know. But I think that uh, comedians are usually people who were bullied when they were little. Yeah, I was definitely a little bullied. But probably because you were too skinny, right? <laughs> I was pretty skinny, but that's not why. That's not why? Uh, I don't know. I guess I was always a bit... Um, people thought I was weird. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure two minutes from now, somebody from high school is going to call in and say why. <laughs> why you were weird? You don't even know why tell you were me, weird? Tell me. They all explain why everybody thought it was weird. I uh, I went to, like I said, I went to all Catholic school. I did one year at a public school, and then I did an all Catholic girl, all girl Catholic high school. They are the meanest. And actually, I don't have memories of people being mean i definitely remember you know people being clicky like you know each person having certain groups i was kind of a floater they didn't have like i had one or two really close friends that i hung out with most of the time yeah and i remember uh one of the one of the things when we were being taught about um we had to take a uh, religion class every year of the four years. And one of the years, I remember a, a nun teaching us that our, um, you know, vaginas were quote unquote temples. Ooh. And nobody's allowed to enter the temple without our permission. Temple I remember to, that temple lesson devices. very yeah. well. You gotta have <laughs> consent. Consent. Yes. Nuns talking about consent. <laughs> this impressive. is your temple. Yeah. And no one can enter it without your permission. Wow. Well, that's good. She's teaching, you know, consent-based yeah. sex, ed, sex ed. That's nice. Definitely. There was a lot very of Very progressive nun. Sweet. <laughs> it was interesting having uh, uh, sex education classes taught by nuns. Yeah, I didn't. What do they really know? Yeah, really, well, tell I mean, me. Because yeah, they're, they're celibate. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> or not. I wasn't allowed to do. When I was a sophomore in high school, everyone did sex ed, and uh, my mom wrote a note so I didn't have to take it. It was I literally graduated without health class because my mom wrote a note to the school and said we're Christians and we can deal with this on our own. She doesn't need to be in this class. So, unfortunately, because of my parents' puritanicalism and my mother's inability to let me learn about sex when I was 12, or not 12, uh, sophomore in high school, so 10th grade, I didn't know that you could get HIV from a blowjob until I was in my mid-20s. When I was 25, I learned two things. One, you can get HIV from giving a blowjob especially if you've been eating potato chips because it gives you tiny little micro abrasions and if you, it can get in there in your tiny little open mouth. And t- I had no idea. And two, I didn't know that you're supposed to pee after sex. So I was plagued. I don't think they taught us that in school. Though. I was plagued with urinary tract infections in my first years of marriage because I didn't know that you're supposed to pee after sex. I mean, plagued. 
I constantly had urinary tract infections and I had no idea why. And it's because I never went to health class when I was little. You're supposed to pee after sex because things get all trapped in that area mm. by the urethra and then they travel on up little poo particles get all traveling up in there <laughs> and then you get a terrible infection. I didn't know. Yeah, cranberry, cranberry juice. Yeah, cranberry and juice. And peeing later. after sex is, is important. Well, this is the end of Some Call Me Tim. Uh, we're going to, after this is over, we're going to, Natalie's going to do a really cool voiceover. So thanks for joining us on Some Call Me Tim. We'll see you guys next week. Yay. Thanks, everyone. Yay.